हेलो एवरीवन दिस इज कथक का चक्कर माय नेम इज प्रमित एंड दिस प्लेस इज डिजाइन टू बी अ सेंट्रल प्लेटफॉर्म टू ब्रिंग कॉन्वर्सेशंस विद कथकर्स अक्रॉस द ग्लोब आई हैव बीन डूइंग कथक फॉर ओवर अ ईयर नाउ इन द लखनऊ घराना एंड With Kathak ka chakkar, I'm reaching out to Kathak practitioners, instructors, administrators, and performance artists all over the globe, and bringing to you all the stories, trials, tribulations, and the journey of Kathakers. So, if you are someone who practices Kathak and you have a message you want to send out across the world, let's get in touch, and we'll get that set up for you. So today, I have with me Mehli Patel. She is an emerging Kathak dancer and choreographer who believes in storytelling with a purpose. She has trained in Kathak for 17 years and has been under the tutelage of Guru Pali Chandra and the mentorship of Somnath Ugnet for the past 10 years and is learning Tal Vidya under Pandit Divyang Vakil. She is currently pursuing a bachelor's degree in biology and holds a distinction in the ISTD diploma in vocational Kathak. She has performed at numerous events all over the world, and attempts to spread social awareness using her art as a medium. Mathli, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm really happy to have this set up, and yeah, like uh, the the what I wanted to start off with first is that when we initially discussed that the quality of movement and dance when it comes to Kathak means is very important to you. So could you tell us more about that, please? Yes. Um I think when when dancing um it it's it's something that has always been it's it's very personal to me and it helps me hold myself to a higher standard and um I think that's what I what I look for um in quality of movement in dance in in thinking about where my hand is going ha- where my body is moving how it is moving um having an in-depth understanding of movement and then carrying that out um there's uh, i sometimes uh, i think it's a very human tendency or um i think it happens to a lot of people where it it we kind of let ourselves off easy where we're like okay chalta hai chalta hai or chal se which sometimes i even like when i scroll through social media i kind of see a certain movement where i feel like okay there could have been maybe something more there maybe they've settled for less or 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 i try to make sure that i don't settle for less so just trying to remove that word from the vocabulary completely i think um and I think quality of movement also comes from understanding the dance um not just in terms of the physicality but also in terms of what the dance form is um in terms of its history in terms of its context in terms of just being intentional about moving intentional about creating in- intentional about how you go about Uh, doing things okay and could you give us an example or an anecdote where say initially you had a chalsa attitude and then you became more intentional about it and the dance 
for the your choreography or your, uh, that piece improved um i think actually i think it's something that my grandmother has always i i told me or maybe perhaps when i was younger i started doing that i maybe when i learned the word chalse which is it's a gujarati word which means chalta hai and um it, it, or chalta hai or it's like chalega you know chalega um and she told me that you know why chalse why do you want to settle for chalse why don't remove that word and you'll see the the level that you're going to bring yourself to and i think it's also the transition from when i was younger i started learning kathak at the age of 4 which was very young and i wasn't very um uh, serious about it before it was more of a hobby and something i enjoyed um and then it got to a point where i got more serious about it and i got more passionate about kathak and i think it's around that point where this word chalse because i i i refuse to settle i i refuse to just let myself be at a level where i'm just settling for i guess for lack of a better word i mean i don't really like this word but mediocrity okay yeah, that's fair um yeah. you have high standards for yourself and that's mm-hmm. amazing and since you touched upon training would be a good time to dig into that <clears throat> could you tell us a little bit about your training and your vocational course and what were the unique aspects of it yeah um my training initially uh, i had started learning under uh, dr shama munshi um and i learned with her till the age of 11 so age of 4 to 11 Uh, which was a combination of jaipur and lucknow garana and she had a very traditional way of teaching i still remember uh, when i was younger we used to i i i think i spent like a couple weeks just doing ta the 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 athi the the which which is a lot of which is a long time for a young young kid with a very short atten- attention span you know but um i i kept at it and i kept doing it and somehow i kept going back to it um so yeah a little a piece was taken and it was practiced and you know, um scrubbed for a week two weeks which generally is i think the traditional way of learning um and then my, uh, she moved to india uh, and in 2009 um i joined gurukul i started learning under pali ji and it's around that time where i started becoming extremely passionate because it it's a completely different way of learning which where i felt my own presence there it i felt like my voice was being heard like i was always i was always asked my opinion on things or what i felt about things or thought about things i was always encouraged to ask questions in fact i was asked questions why um i was encouraged to ask why so there was there's always there's been this in depth understanding and the more in depth i understood the more at the core i got of kathak the more i started to fall in love with it um and because of this encouragement of questions uh, i think that's where my love for uh, like you mentioned before quality of movement kind of came in because um as the more i understood it the more i wanted to do justice to this age old dance form that's it's there's so much there's so much beauty to it it's not just dancing it's not just moving there's maths there's literature there's history there's um 
so many aspects to it that you know you can go into separately it, it would be like a super long conversation and just exposure to all of this um i felt i guess encouraged to do my best uh and the the learning was also made relatable so depending on the age depending on the person the we were given a chance to bring our ourselves into it so so i i think that's where dance kind of started feeling like it was mine i had my own dance and then you have your own dance but we're both doing kathak so it it's very very uh personal uh experience i was never spoon fed it the never ever so even if like tomorrow i have i have to do a show and this started this has always been the way first i will be asked instead of saying ke ha uh, there's a show tomorrow do these 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 pieces i instead i would always be asked that there's a show tomorrow what do you think you should do or what pieces would you like to do and then i would be given feedback that okay maybe yes i see where you're coming from so it, it there was always this dialogue there was always this conversation happening which i loved which i i found to be an um, an amazing way to learn so to follow up on that uh, first thing mainly this mm-hmm. is a super long conversation so anything you want to dig into feel free to do you don't all right all right uh, so and so see in gurukul when do and we talk about having your own voice but at what age do kids start to feel that when in that in that system I think uh from the youngest age that's when uh, when kids are really young that's mm-hmm. when they're most inquisitive and that's how we learn we learn by asking questions mm-hmm. I mean even if you look at toddlers they they want to touch things they want to see how things fit with each other whether they fit with each other and they do it by trying they do it by actually putting it with and seeing if it fits you know and yeah. and that's when our brains are the most moldable so I think it's important to give I think train the brain to think itself. It's it's important to have that at at a very young age. It builds so much confidence. It builds so much uh self-confidence that okay, this is what I think and it and it teaches it teaches um um I I know this is a very common pro- proverb maybe um but instead of fishing you should teach the kids how to fish right okay don't Makes just sense. give them the fish teach them how to fish and the earliest that starts it's the better cuz then it becomes part of their nature okay and on on another note if now based on your training <laughs> did you find anything did you find any gaps or things you can improve that you plan to implement when you start teaching yes um i there is uh, so when i was learning iscd i personally i find the iscd syllabus very balanced and very holistic because there are sections on safe dancing body alignment um warm ups cool downs and like depending on the level you're at it gets more and more in depth and this again they start about safe dancing from i think the f- earliest grade from grade 1 they'll start asking that okay what is a warm up what is a cool down um and i think um that that is something that i would i would further implement um but to a level where it feels like 
a natural part of the training. Um, since in Gurukul, um, me and uh, my Guru Behan, uh, so we were the first people to pass the or get our diploma. So we're sort of like the first batch, you could say. Um, and later on, a lot of things, you know, as, as you learn, you keep changing, you keep implementing, you keep growing. So I think just the direction that it's been growing for the my guru behinds that have come after me, um, I think I would definitely implement that into the way I train in a lot of body awareness, a lot of strengthening outside of Kathak. I think it's very important that you don't, the, the best way to condition your body as a Kathak dancer is definitely to do Kathak, but you need to support those muscles that are letting you do Kathak as well with the muscles around that. So there's all these peripheral muscles and things as well. So I think that conditioning should be a natural part that, you know, just have, have students doing yoga from the earliest age. Even if you're four years old, at least start doing yoga, a few strengthening exercises. And then as you grow, go up and more advanced, increase the intensity and the levels. And I think this would go a long way to prevent injury uh, later on. Okay, and we'll come to injury prevention and the physicality of Kathak here hmm. on. Right now, I wanted to ask you, could you tell us a little bit about what a Guru Behan is and the significance of that relationship in your classes? Yes, um, I think uh, Guru Behans, Guru Bhais, uh, I have more Guru Behans than Guru Bhais. Um, I wish there were more uh, male dancers in our school, but unfortunately, we we have one. We call him Krishna. He's a, he's a little kid. Well, he was a little kid last time I saw him. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, I think it is a beautiful relationship and I think it's, it's a relationship that needs to be nurtured correctly. And it, your, your guru bhans and guru bhais are, should be your major support system, I think. And is it just uh, your classmates or what is it exactly? Yeah. Uh, these are girls that I've danced with. These are girls that, uh, have, so, uh, guru bhai, so so, uh, uh, it's like bhai means brother and this is guru brother so you learn under the same guru sort of thing so it's like oh okay yeah and guru sister so guru behen um is this is a girl who learn who you learn under the same guru so it's it it's it's like you, you're connected because of this training system that you go through under the same tutelage and it cre it does create a beautiful bond. You do shows together, you train together, you do classes together. Um, I have guru behens uh, and bhais who are younger than me, junior to me. But um, the importance that I personally keep in that relationship is that if, if, for example, I know that they're junior to me, but if they ever need advice, me being their senior, they can come to me at any point of time, any time. And um, I can, you know, be there to support them. And I've actually found that some of my younger guru, guru behinds who I've gone closer closer to have been there for me when I needed it. You know, it, it's it's an amazing support system, family, like a dance family that you create. Okay, that makes sense. And mm -hmm. could you give us some insights into what happens in, in, in the vocational course at Gorukul? Uh, in the vocational course, um, there's a lot of emphasis on 
um, I guess, uh, like I mentioned before, in-depth understanding. Um, but being an intellectual dancer, uh, we're encouraged to do research, look at other dancers, look at other gurus, look at other um, dance forms. Um, do we do critical analysis, discuss what we liked, disliked, or what what we could bring into uh, our dance or what philosophies we can bring into the way we think about dance. Um, we are encouraged to create. And I think creation, learning from the ISTD syllabus specifically, um, cre create, creation was introduced at a very early age where uh, even in the exam, you'll be like given a line and said, okay, now you have five minutes and you have to come up with movements, but then we'll be given criteria depending on the grade. Like you, they'll say, okay, I'll give you a line. You have five minutes to create movements, but imagine that so-and-so has happened or imagine you can't do this, you can do that. So, so it's, it's a lot of... Um, in the vocational level, it's a lot about creating a whole piece, but then you have to be intentional. So what what are, what is the story you're telling? Why have you chosen this music? Why is this movement there? Um, and I think the best way to package the training in one word is why. It's it, You're encouraged to ask why for everything. And it's a very important question. It helps you understand what you're doing. And just wanted to touch upon, say, competition a bit. So you are mm -hmm. in this batch with all the all these dancers who are really well trained, and so, mm -hmm. and you're kind of graduating at the same time. How do you make sure that? It, so it's a bit competitive, which is fine. But how do you make mm -hmm. sure that both, all of you aren't like stepping on each other's toes because you're all are kind of going for the same dance opportunities after graduating, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I think the best the the, the best way to describe it is the way Paliji says it and this I think this doesn't just relate to Guru Behens I think this relates to us dancers in general that the only way to go forward is together so if I do something um, like I do a big show or whatever and I go forward then I'm going to bring them with me so I'll take a step forward and then I'll pull them the chalo and wherever they're performing, they're doing shows, they have opportunities, it can only be good for me. I mean, if you want in a selfish way, but at the same time, it's, it's, I think as a collective, we have to think of it as a collective rather than in as a selfish individual, if that makes any sense. Like, um, we, instead of stepping on each other, if we move forward together, we can go much farther. We can, in fact, lean on each other wherever perhaps you need help, perhaps um, you need support. You can always lean on each other and you can always, um, I think, go farther. In fact, go uh, spread wider. And I think that's the end goal, to spread Kathak, to spread the joy of dance, um, to encourage people to dance, I guess. So mm -hmm. what is your style, your brand of Kathak today? Um, in terms of uh, movement vocabulary, I think I'm still discovering 
my own identity there as I'm getting inspired um, by, and I think, I think I continue get to get inspired by the people around me or people that I see. But in terms of uh, what I try to create, I think my main thing is storytelling. Um, I, as a Kathak, Kathak, you know, your Kathak means you're a storyteller. So, um, and I really, really believe in that. Um, I, I know that there's a, there's a, I, I guess, sort of fad or trend of doing a lot of technique, a lot of fast technique and stuff like that. But I find myself leaning more towards the Abhinay aspect and the aspect of storytelling. Um, and I think it's very important what story you are telling, um, especially as an artist. Uh, you're given up, you, we, we have this platform where we can um, speak to multiple people at the same time. You know, when you're on stage, you're communicating with your whole audience. And classical dance has this beautiful concept of rasa, which is reciprocity, this connection with the audience where um, you're on the same sort of wavelength and you can actually make them feel what you're feeling or make them feel a specific emotion. And I think that's such a, such a powerful thing. So currently I'm, I'm very much into storytelling in what story I'm telling. For example, um, recently I, in, in um, the Swiss International Kathak Festival, I did a piece uh, in collaboration with Arya Chandra who played the piano. And uh, on the piano, I did a piece on domestic abuse. And it was a very challenging piece, but, and I did it with most, with Kathak Abhinay, uh, not in terms of the traditional hand gestures, but in, in terms of the traditional way of storytelling, in terms of miming, in, in terms of um, using the, the uh, ideas of Sanchari Bhavs and of Upangs and Pratyangs um, in, incorporating that incorporating that into the choreography so yeah and even even um uh, for new york Kathak festival i did this piece on draupadi uh, i had actually initially done it for my rangmanch pravesh and it was written by baliji because i wanted to do tumris but even if even if you're doing tumri on radha and krishna there's always gungad and sharmana and all of that which is not relevant today. And Kathaks have always done what was relevant of the time. If you look at, just look at the history of Kathak. Initially, it started off as these bards going from kingdom to kingdom, telling stories about other kingdoms of what's happening. You know, so they were kind of like the news, they were t informing people, they were telling stories of other places. And then as different, the, the, then they moved to the temples, then the courts. So it's always been going with the current times. But the core structure and the skeleton of it has remained uh, in terms of the technique, in terms of the, the uh, movements, um, movement structure. It, it's always remained, but the stories have changed. So what are the stories that we are telling today, I think is very important. Okay, and since you talked about relevance in Kathak, mm -hmm. according to you, when it comes to relevance and what's acceptable today, what are the things that you, you, in your opinion, used to have a place in their time, but it's, it's no longer relevant in Kathak or is not acceptable in Kathak anymore? Um, I think there are things that shouldn't be acceptable that still are. 
um in terms of um i mean this this might sound a little controversial but uh within the guru shishya parampara um the there there are times when that power that has been given to the guru the position gets abused and i find that to be very wrong um uh so i think that is something that definitely needs to change the boundaries certain boundaries need to change uh or sometimes even need to put in be put in place in the first place you know um and i think um i i keep coming back to this point but even the way we condition as dancers needs to change uh the level that kathak has come to is has reached i mean kathak has reached new levels uh, of intensity of prowess of athleticism and i think that the way we, in the way we train we need to make a few changes so that we can reach and we can go at par with that level in terms of strengthening and conditioning um and apart from that i think even when we create we need to be uh more aware and more um i think we need to think outside the box a little more um for there, there isn't just for example there isn't just one way to portray radha she isn't always shy she isn't always in a ghungar where krishna he's always got the murli there, there's certain stereotypes that have put, been put in place which need to um be not removed but need to be made aware of and need to be changed where okay you can portray the same character in so many different ways i believe radha was um not was a lot more than just shy i think she had a lot more to her character especially the more i study um literature on radha and krishna i find that there's there's so much more to their relationship than just um matki phorna and stuff like that okay uh, lots to cover there and mm-hmm. lovely thank you for that answer no problem let's um, to dig into i guess what what i want to start with when it comes to boundaries between a guru and a shishya what kind of boundaries do you think should be there between a teacher instructor and their student so well first um okay so the guru shishya relationship um i'm going to speak more from a personal perspective cuz uh this has uh i i i mean i obviously know more about my own relationship um makes sense and i find that the relationship that i have with my guru to not just my guru but my gurus since you know i i've had i've had the privilege of having so many mentors and uh, good gurus and it can be a beautiful beautiful bond but and it's a very personal bond because it's the guru shishya way parampara way of learning it's a it's a way of learning that's very personal it's because the guru is trying to develop the individual it's it's a personal bond that you have with your guru right it's not like a teacher with a classroom it's right. it's a personal relationship and with that i think there comes trust understanding um there's a responsibility to each other responsibility of the guru to the shishya's uh development and the not i mean and i don't mean development in general i mean development in the field or as a dancer or as a professional within the field and yes yeah, some usually people get more than just in the field and i think it responsibility of the shishya to do justice to whatever the guru is teaching um and i think that 
honestly, I think that these things about the Guru Shishya bond is what the Guru Shishya parampara is actually about. I don't think it's a set of rules. I don't think it's defined by a set of protocol or set of rules. It is. It is more of a way of learning. It is this relationship that defines the Guru Shishya parampara. Not that oh, I need to. I have to. Um, um, I don't know. Uh, massage my guru's feet or something. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think that that is what it is, and I don't think that um, putting guru in the pedestal of God is doing justice or even fair, honestly, because it it puts the guru in this position. You have to remember your gurus are also human beings and you it puts Absolutely. the it puts the guru in this position where you're expecting perfection from a human being. And it it's also not fair in terms of you, you you can't expect perfection from a human being. You can you must allow for mistakes. You must allow for the benefit of the doubt and um I, and I've seen problems that stem for that, not personally, like for other people where um, they're not allowed to ask questions, perhaps because the gurus, that's how the gurus were taught. But now you've made them God. Um, so they're not allowed to not know things. So if you ask questions and they don't know, it's like person, it's like, oh, my God, now what? I'm a guru. I'm supposed to know this, you know, it, right. Mm-hmm. And sometimes all these things stem from insecurity and not to condone it, but it, it should definitely not be allowed. I think that abuse of power, um, unhealthy relationships. And I think that we need to, as even as Shishias, remember that knowledge is an ocean and there are many ways to get there. You shouldn't feel stuck that, oh, he's a guru. They have so much knowledge. I have, I have no choice but to learn. There, there is mm-hmm. a choice. Okay. There is a choice. And it's important that you find the right guru and the right. And sometimes, um, even if a guru is good, maybe you don't connect to them as much. And that's okay. Uh, maybe you'll find another guru who you do connect with. It, it's important to know what you're looking for in a guru. There are so many different kinds. There's ones that are you know, more like friends to you? Do you want someone who's more older and is more of a elderly uh, figure? Do you want someone who's similar to your age? So it's important to know what you're looking for in a guru as well. But I, I find that the Guru Shishya Parampara is, is beautiful. It's been very important in my life, in my development. I think it's been very, very uh, integral. Okay, and that brings me to my next question as well. Uh, this was from one of your guru bands, Alina. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was she wanted she was wondering how what was it like what was it like when you stepped out of Gurukul Dubai and you went out on your own? And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, sure. So it was very hard for me to move away from Gurukul. Gurukul is basically like my home. I I used to. Uh, practically live there. I used to practically live there. I used to go to school, come home, eat lunch, be in Gurukul, and then come home late at night, like 10.30 or 11. And weekend weekends, there were times where I would spend the whole day for like the whole weekend uh, at Gurukul. So I would be there like at least 10 hours during the day. I'll be the first one there when they unlock and the last one when they lock. (laughs) So yeah, it was difficult to, to to leave there. But I think it was important uh, because once I left, once I moved out, uh, I started I started to learn things about myself. Uh, 
And I started to learn about my identity as an individual. Because up till now, I've been, I had been surrounded by all these people, my guru behens, my gurus, instructors. It was, it was very full. So it was, it was such a full feeling. Um, and I think being away from all that, it, it helped me understand myself as just me. Um, and who am I as just me? And it also helped me um, venture out because because with in, in Gurukul there, I mean, in Dubai, especially there weren't that many Kathak schools and people would come and visit, come and go. And we would get to meet them like they would come. Whoever would visit uh, the UAE for a show, they'd end up coming to Gurukul to do a workshop. So we've done workshops with so many so many artists. Uh, we've done workshops with uh, Maharaj Ji, with Vidhalal and Abhimanyu Lalji and um, uh, Sujata Banerjee, uh, Didi, and yeah, so many people. And but that that's them coming to our house and going outside into the world. There's so much more. There's so much more. Um, there's so much more inspiration. I can, especially being in New York, I can go to shows watch other people live I can um, gain inspiration from that there are so many other Kathak dancers from different training from different backgrounds and I find that has inspired me too it's opened my mind to different perspectives uh, different thinking and I think my biggest exposure to that was the New York Kathak festival there was so it was it was like you were breathing you Kathak was in the air and you were breathing it that there were Kathak dancers everywhere. Everyone was a Kathak dancer. And even in the audience, on stage performing, in the workshops, it was like three days of just OD on Kathak. And you get to meet so many people, have so many conversations, where they're from, how their training's been, what their experiences have been, and then compare them to your own. And that really opened my eyes, I think. So yeah, moving moving out, moving to a different country, it's it's especially eye-opening. Okay. And so when it came to like coming to New York and meeting Kathakas in New York, who have mm -hmm. been your biggest inspirations? My biggest inspirations. Um so what was I'm trying to remember the first show I watched when I came. Honestly, I can't remember. I've been to so many, but uh, I remember when I came, I would like Google uh, who's here. And the first person that popped up was uh, Barkha Patel. And I, I just love her whole philosophy, like the way she thinks. And it's, it's so down to earth, but so connected to the roots as well. Um, as, uh, and even being, being over here, uh, I was a little skeptical at first because I didn't know what Kathak would be like in America, how much awareness, how connected to the roots would it be. But uh, when I came here and then I think um, she was one of the first people who I actually like sort of became friends with. Uh, it, it, it kind of helped me see that, okay, yeah, no, this is, there's space here. There's space here. Uh, for people like me, there's awareness of Kathak, there's Kathak here. And um, apart from her, I've, who else have I? There's, there's so many. Um, I think almost everyone I've watched, I've gotten inspired by somehow. Um, there's Jin Wan, who's in New Jersey, and she's 
also she's she's so kind and um always whenever if i ever need something i can i know that i can always message her and call her and ask her like hey um you know for any advice and um she the way she dedicates herself as well to her art and tal as well as is uh, inspiring okay and since you mentioned performing at the new york kathak festival could you tell us what's it like what was it like to perform to an audience where it's everyone's a kathakar instead of an audience where it's just a general viewing i absolutely loved it on i mean yes i was nervous at first but at the same time i was like it was a feeling of ah finally it's great to be you know it's great to be able to connect with diverse audiences and you know people who don't know about kathak and still they can connect to your piece or you know you're you're um um uh, giving them exposure to different dance style or whatever but that that's all great but to actually excuse me to actually perform for an audience that understands what you're doing is i think a whole other level um and yeah i was i was very nervous i was like oh my god i can't make a single mistake because there's all these established kathak dancers sitting in my audience so you know it, there was that pressure there but um it i think i really did i felt like at one point i could feel rasa especially when i was doing my piece on draupadi i could feel i could feel that there was rasa there because there is a reciprocity from your audience that's and i think that's the main way to to connect as an artist that's the best way to connect when you whatever you throw out into the audience it's received and it is returned and that's what i felt Okay, and since you talked about reciprocity and rasa, I, I just coined, I think I just coined the term rasa prosperity. I want to check if someone's taken that up. Okay, and I might trademark that. But, <laughs> yeah, rasa prosperity. Uh huh. <laughs> that sounds like what you felt. Okay, and yeah. then the next thing I wanted to talk about is yes. So, and did, uh, so when you came to New York. Did, were you were you did you still keep in touch with your old gurus and were you looking for a new guru um uh so i wasn't actually looking for a new guru mm-hmm. uh i'm i'm extremely extremely connected i i feel like i've um with pali ji i've found whatever i need or want in a kathak guru uh but i mean she's always encouraging us or encouraging me that wherever i am you know okay uh i can't help you here go ask this person that person so wherever she feels like she can't help or she doesn't she she um doesn't know how to help she'll encourage me to find the people who would be able to help um so i think she she kind of put it to me initially she's like why don't you see if there are gurus in your area you know so they they can guide you and i i it makes sense to me i get where she was coming from because um it's important that wherever you are in the world that you have a mentor and a guide who can help you out in that part of the world um right. because they understand what it's like to be over there they understand the situation they understand all that and they they're more accessible that way and thanks to technology i've been i i've been able to keep in touch with bali ji um and um honestly i started learning from her through skype in 
I want to say 2014 um, when she moved to Switzerland because I used to live in Dubai and then she moved to Switzerland. So we started learning through Skype and then I moved to America. She was in Switzerland. We're still learning to, through Skype, you know, so we've been doing online learning, which everyone is doing right now. We've been doing it for years so far. And I, I know Paliji has been doing it even longer than that with other students while she was in Dubai. So it's it's not unusual, especially we since learning we had the in-person training with her so it helped build a report so when it's when there's remote learning it's easy to, easier to communicate so she can say he you know do put your hand up there and i'll know exactly what she means because we've already built that report um and so what i would do was uh between college so there between semesters we would have a summer break of four months and during those four months, I called it my dance semester. I would go to Paliji's house, live there for a month, two months, and train with her. Um, and yeah, so it, that was, I think that was my experience of the old style Guru Shishya Parampara, where you live with your guru and you learn that way. Um, and then I would follow her, like she'll go to Dubai, I'll go to Dubai, she'll go to India, I'll go to India. I'll just follow nice. her around. And in the and even winter, so when even winter between two semesters, we get like around a month, and I would take that and I would again go back to her so that I could get that in person training. And in between, it's all Skype. Uh, now it's Zoom. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I've I managed to keep in touch, and I think it's very important to keep in touch with the people who have contributed to your growth. Um, and I think it's important to give them that respect. Um, unless I mean I know there are exceptions to that but if you've had a good relationship and it's it's been a good journey uh, when you move on I don't think you should forget them pretend like they didn't exist I think that's just extremely disrespectful to the amount of time and energy that they gave you um, as well so so yeah you ha you should you should always keep in touch even um Recently, I managed, uh, my first guru, do uh, Dr. Shabha Munshi, she, when she moved to Ahmedabad, after a while, we couldn't stay in touch. I think she must have changed her number or something. And it was very hard to contact her. We couldn't find her, basically. Couldn't find her anywhere because she wasn't on social media or anything. Wow, okay. And then recently, we found a number. We found her uh, and she lives in Ahmedabad. And I actually managed to go and meet her. It was, it was such a good feeling. Um, it's amazing. To, yeah, so it, it to reconnect with her after so many years and I, realizing that she hasn't changed at all. I, when I was sitting in her living room, I felt like I was like six years old again. Um, so it was it was a good feeling. But and I think it, it's also something Paliji has always encouraged that, you know, just acknowledge who you've learned from and give them that respect. And if possible, stay connected to them and keep talking to them. And I, yeah, I completely agree. I think it's very important. But that being said, yeah, if you move somewhere else, you might want to find someone who is local. Um, it, 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 I think that would be uh, an ideal situation if you could find someone who is there to guide you. Okay. And since you've been doing online lessons with Paliji for such a long time, could you give us some insights as to from the time you started to now, how has that evolved over time? And what are, what are the changes that you've seen? Um, I think uh, 
as when I started uh, with Paliji, I was, I had a completely different uh, movement vocabulary. And I had actually stopped dancing for a year and a half. There were no other Kathak teachers. After my first guru, she moved to Ahmedabad. There was no one in the UAE. And then we found Paliji and I joined her class. I was, I was that girl in the back who, who was struggling because she just threw me. She's like, okay, you've had Kathak training. Come to the, in, not the beginner. She's like, come to the intermediate class, go in the back and try to follow. And the, the movement, the ung was completely different. And I'm in the back trying to follow, probably looking like a fool. <laughs> and, but yeah, slowly she gave me that attention. Um, there were fewer students in Gurukul back then. I mean, now there's like 300, 400, but back then there were 20. So it was possible to get that individual attention. And um, she, she, kind, she would really work on my alignment it it was there was a lot of awareness in the training and the i never felt um like i couldn't be myself that i've always i've always said uh what i felt or or questioned what i felt um about certain things and i always ask a lot of questions um that and i think at, over time our, our report increased because, because there was this two-way communication always happening. And I think there was always an acknowledgement of my perspective when learning as well, that, okay, where is, what is her perspective and how can um, I teach according to that? I think that's, that's been uh, a mindset that, uh, and I, I think Paiji's always been very, very motherly as well, uh, very loving and accepting and open-minded. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And so that helps a lot. And wanted to ask you about the Talvidya that you do with Pandit Divyang Vakilji. Mm -hmm. uh, could you give us some insights as to what, what you're learning from him and how that adds to your repertoire? Yeah. So uh, I met I met Guruji by by chance actually, where um, I had gone to watch a show of Jin Jin Wan uh, Jin Didi, and uh, he happened to be sitting next to me. I didn't even realize he was sitting next. And then I started talking to him, and instantly he's like, you know, why don't you come to me and we'll we'll talk about uh, Tal if you want to learn and Tal. And I was like, and yeah. I was definitely up for it. With and yeah, and Paliji was definitely like, yeah, yeah, go for it. And it's been a great journey with Guruji as well. He he is so he's also like like Touchwood. I've met some amazing I've amazing gurus in my life. I've I have some amazing gurus in my life and very understanding and very open. And um, the way he teaches Tal, it's like a celebration. Each piece, every time, if you notice, every time he recites it, it's with full enjoyment and full emotion. So he he's very involved with Tal and that makes it so easy to learn as well. He makes it very understandable, relatable, and he also challenges, but in, in a way that is possible for you to, you know, overcome where it's, it's like, okay, try this and then we'll work through it together. Yeah. And he, and sometimes if needed, he will break it down. So he really helps understand Tal. And I, that's something I really wanted to do it, in terms of, 
so before before for Kathak dancers, we used to have live musicians. We used to have um, there would that would be a, a tabla guru or a pakhavaj guru who would sit there and you could do riyaz with. So because of that, there was this knowledge and understanding of tal. You could always ask them questions. You could always, if you're doing things, they would always fix something or they could give you bits of information here and there, you know. But now, since everything's on live, and in Dubai, it's also very hard to find musicians for live training. It's very difficult, especially for specifically Kathak training, because playing for Kathak is different. So there, I, find, I found that there was that understanding of Tal was missing a little bit. And I, I, I kind of felt like it was a weak, uh, a weak point where, uh, that I needed to work on to strengthen. And it was so also I, I wanted to have more understanding, you know, just my love for Kathak and anything about it. I just want to know more. I just want to know more. So, yeah, learning from Guruji, I've I've had a chance to really delve into Tal, um, what it is, the complexities of it, uh, the beauty of it, how how they've been inspired. The, the gurus uh, back then were inspired by things around them to create how to create. Uh, and I think it's it's opened new sections in my brain in terms of mathematics as well, because that's what Tal is. It's a lot of mathematics and it, it's just on the spot uh, thinking. And I, I think that it's 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 essential in Kathak training. I'm just okay, I'm just curious about this since you mentioned that like live training or tal for kathak is different than in general could you tell us what's different when you apply tal and tabla to kathak and how that changes mm-hmm. um so in kathak there are uh, very specific pieces that we do so um i think knowing those pieces and apart from that uh, when you're playing for dance there is a conversation sort of happening with between the dancer and the accompanist so to be able to keep up that conversation, to have that conversation. So if to, there needs to be a specific training for dance. There needs to be exposure, exposure I, be, I think, to that. And the same goes for Kathak dancers, that to be able to dance to live musicians, you need to be exposed and you need to practice with live musicians so that on stage you have that rapport. You, most, the audience won't always notice, but there is a communication happening on stage with between the artists there, between the live musicians. There's someone who's keeping the beat. There's someone who's keeping the lehra, using the lehra to find some. Then um, there's the, the tabla player and the kathak dancer would be having their own little side messages where it's like, okay, increase the speed, decrease the speed. Um, okay, we're going to add more, one more hour then. Okay, we're going to take a break. You start playing. Um, so there, there's all these things that happen, which... Uh, I think the musician needs to be trained and the Kathak dancer needs to be trained. And there are even aspects of Kathak that are completely based on improvisation. Uh, so that that doesn't just happen. Like, yeah, on stage and at the end, it's going to be an improvisation. But you need to train so that you're able to improvise. You need to have certain level of mastery in certain aspects so that you are able to improvise later on. So I think all these things coming together uh, and that, that makes playing in general different. 
because I think in general, when when um, a percussionist plays, maybe for a singer, there's a conversation perhaps happening with the singer and the percussionist and perhaps the other uh, instrumentalists around. But there is no conversation happening with someone who is dancing on the stage far away. So that changes the dynamic a little bit. Yeah. Uh, thanks for going deep into that. No problem. And that brings me to, you know, that you're, start, you're studying biology and you're mm-hmm. doing Kathak and you mentioned you have a personal connection when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so early on, um, I got injured. Uh, so I, I actually had a back injury and I didn't realize, but one day I, I had like a lot of pain and um, then I realized that, okay, something's wrong. This doesn't feel right. And so I, you know, I got all that checked. Um, and I guess I went to physical therapy, try to get it better. Um, and then I got an injury on my right ankle. So I had Achilles tendonitis on my right. So I had lordosis in my back, tendonitis on my ankle. Apparently, the issue in my uh-huh. ankle was because of my issue in the back. So it, it was like a domino effect. And so then I started getting the issue in my right ankle fixed, going to physical therapy, all of that. Um, and Ayurvedic treatments also. And those helped a lot in, in terms of like pain management and uh, being able to dance. Um, so, so there was that. And then because of my right leg's injury, I, my left leg is now currently slightly injured. So, yeah, so, and I think that um, there were times where I felt like my leg was being not listening. So what would happen was I, I even like simple that I've been doing since the age of four. Uh-huh. You know, it, it's like second nature at this point. It, it should be natural, like it, it should happen. But my brain would be sending signals, but my legs would be missing the beats, you know. And I would get frustrated and I would think that I haven't practiced enough. So I would push myself more and more and more, which obviously made it worse and worse and worse. <laughs> so um, I think that that's, that's why I, I kind of uh, emphasize on conditioning, injury prevention, awareness of uh, your body, your slight awareness of anatomy so that you know what is happening and you can prevent injuries in the future. Uh, because I found that in general, in, in in classical dances and in Kathak, there is isn't there is no, there is barely any uh, awareness of things. I, I, in the Western world, yeah, I've seen more awareness, but back in India, um, there's there's hardly any awareness about the body in Kathak. And if you, I mean, if you look at ballet, they have uh, conditioning for ballet. They have they have like little anatom- anatomical figures drawn. So I think that the level that Kathak has come to in terms of athleticism, I think it's important to, it's important to know that because it, it's, um, I think it, it's something I, I read somewhere uh, where um, exercise is not a punishment for what you ate. It's a celebration of what your body can do. And as dancers, we are definitely celebrating what our body can do. So if if you can be aware of anatomy for exercise, you can definitely be, you need to be even more aware 
of it for dance and especially the level that dance has been pushed to is being pushed to and the the level that we continue to push it up and up and up i think it it there needs to be a more integration of health in it okay and to dig into the this this a bit deeper could you can you give us an example of say what can uh, how how does your kathak bed be together or what movements can you unlock or do that you couldn't do previously if you have a certain level of physical prowess um i think precision accuracy and well speed is a given um yeah uh, there people i think a lot of pieces nowadays are done in atidrut which is extremely extremely fast speed like you have drut which is fast but this is atidrut extremely fast uh and to make sure that you're not looking like you're flailing and throwing yourself around and your arms are being thrown around i think it's important to have the body awareness and have that conditioning so that you're more precisely moving between like it's not just about getting your hand from point a to point b keep okay i my hand needs to go up in and point towards the corner yeah that's the direction but how are you going there is it going there straight and i think that also goes back to my what i had said earlier about quality of movement and dance if one thing that working out and conditioning does is gives you awareness of your body because you're breathing and you're thinking and you're working you're loading those muscles you're working those muscles and it it helps you feel where they are it helps you understand how they're moving and where they're moving and that becomes muscle memory so when you're getting from point a to point b like throwing your arm out to the side for example it's not just about getting your hand there and back it's about how you're going there how you're coming back and making that a subconscious thing making that an instinctual thing so and and that would make the dance i think more beautiful and more clear okay and when it comes to physical prowess who are the dancers in today's world who you feel or even in the past who pushed the limits of the uh, who pushed the physical limits of kathak and have that physical prowess in them uh, you know outside of just technique mhm uh well some in the past uh i have seen um gopi krishna ji uh i i even in i think in some of the movies if you see him doing kavits and pieces he's like he comes in like a tornado and so quick and so precise it's it's amazing um and today if you look there's um aditi mangaldas ji who has definitely pushed um the the level of kathak uh, especially even in technique speed uh if you look at um Sanjukta Sinha uh, ji who uh, she has so much power when she dances and power with clarity she's not just you know throwing her arms out at a very very fast speed she there's clarity of movement there and there's intention there um and even uh, i've seen a few clips of uh, Dhirendra Tiwari ji on Instagram as well who i found were was amazing and that brings me to my next question about mm-hmm. injury prevention mm-hmm. or injury management so what kind of movements and exercises 
stretches or and general yeah and in general tra- training or would you recommend to prevent injuries for kathakars i think the um as an indian classical dance i think the place to start would be yoga um because yoga doesn't just strengthen your muscles it also stretches them at the same time so you're not just loading them and bulking them up um so the way to strengthen muscles is to load them the more load you add the stronger you're you're learning teaching the muscles to um you're conditioning the muscles to take on more and to get stronger and when you stretch you're you're um conditioning it to move in a specific way and you're um sort of pulling the muscle as well so it's important to do both if however if you if you go to the gym and you st- start using weights it's not a good idea to do yoga on that day because you're doing you're undoing everything you did at the gym by using weights by doing yoga so those are kind of counterproductive but um and if you're using weights i think be aware first do it with someone uh who knows get a, get someone to guide you and then perhaps take it on on your own but i think the the best place to start would be yoga awesome and yeah this question the the one i asked you previously comes from swarshi and the next mm-hmm. one as well mm-hmm. uh, she asked what should a dancer do when they get injured and how should they deal with it i imagine it's a very stressful thing so mm-hmm. what would you recommend uh step a don't panic <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but i think stop first the moment you feel pain or something is unusual stop try and find out what the issue is what is causing the trouble and um you don't try to push yourself um this is something that i've actually started telling my guru sisters as well because i remember there was a time where i would i would push no matter what mm-hmm. um it, it, through any pain through anything like no 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 i have to dance i have to get these six chakras right now i have to do this the higher i have to get it right now and i would push and push and i would ignore and i know there is that mentality of ignoring all pain and just you know doing it and we i think we as artists are passionate enough and mad enough to do it sometimes but it's important to remember that you don't you ask yourself this do you want to dance right now or do you want to dance for the next 10 years of your life what is more important um when you start thinking that you know i have to do this right now um and i think that stop figure out what's going on try to heal remember to heal doesn't mean you have to stop dancing just stop that particular movement stop doing that particular thing kathak has so much that uh, uh, so many other things that you can do don't require like every muscle in your body so for example when i started having my leg injury it was very hard for me to do tatkar and chakras so i started going more into abhinay more into literature there there's or started working on my upper body a little more so you know what where can i improve on my hand movements my ang my movement quality when it comes to my upper body because doing tatkar wearing kungurus was a little too painful so work on other things heal see a professional uh a doctor physical therapist get better um 
don't panic it's not the end of the world it's not a hopeless situation you will get better you can get better so yeah i think that's that's majority of what i would say that's awesome and yeah thank you for sharing that of course yeah and that brings me to my next point in the sense let's talk a little bit about performances cause mm-hmm. you know performance art like especially kathakers who are performance artists yeah. are kind of defined by their performances so what mm-hmm. what are, are there any memorable performances you want to list and is there an anecdote you'd like to share from us for us memorable performances wow um <laughs> i guess all of them yeah yeah i mean there's always a story right um uh, right. most people who've had shows there'll be something oh this happened backstage this happened that happened yeah. to someone you know there's like the chaos backstage and then the mm-hmm. calm and quiet in the auditorium it's, mm. it's such a contrast um i think a really memorable performance in terms of pieces would be there was uh, so i performed for uh the modera dance festival in that happens in gujarat every year and i performed um with my guru i performed with pali ji um and i think this was the first time where i shared the stage with her like this it was just the two of us and this was at so modera it, it has a sun temple a surya mandir and in front of the surya mandir there's a step well and in front of that they put the stage and this was the first time that pali ji came to gujarat she came to my ancestral my my home in gujarat my grandparents place and um it was it was just an amazing feeling having her there uh, to show her around you know gujarat this is this is where i'm from these are my people and um and then performing at the modera uh, the energy the energy was completely different it was it was beautiful uh I think when I went on stage I I don't know what it was but whatever energy level that I normally do these pieces and I was doing parans and drutle and ladis and tihais and the, I I just I don't know where this burst of energy came but I I enjoyed it and I felt like I will never get tired it was unusual it was unusual unbelievable and I think just the fact that having that I'm performing with Paliji was um amazing and apart from that i think the recently i performed uh my dropadi piece uh that the one that i performed in in new york other festival i performed it in dubai and it's it's been with me since my rangmanch which happened in 2015 and this time when i did it i was completely involved in my character like completely i could not I I don't have much memory of the piece itself of what what I was doing. I don't have conscious memory of the doing the piece because I think that in that moment I ceased to exist. I was my character. I just completely immersed myself and lost myself in the piece and the character. And I don't think that's ever happened to me before. So yeah, that would be one of my top memorable performances actually. Okay, and that brings me to my next question. Where now that we've established, we we talked about your beliefs, values, training, performances. Where do you see yourself taking your dance practice? Um, taking my practice as in 
taking your practice as a kathakar so dancing performances okay instruction whatever mm-hmm. you think with comes within the environment of kathak for you okay okay um well so currently i am in uh in new jersey in usa i i don't think i have um any fixed geographical spot of where i would take it um i definitely want to teach uh but before i teach i want to get a lot of experience in terms of performance in terms of collaborations exposure uh and then finally start teaching uh i think that there there's a lot that i want to learn first before i start teaching and um i think that that's where i see myself uh per- i worldwide i guess citizen of the world <laughs> uh i i tend to go to europe a lot i tend to go to um uh, uh switzerland a lot and back home to dubai i definitely want to bring more awareness of kathak and um uh perhaps more uh, interest for kathak back in my hometown which is anand in gujarat but uh yeah apart from that i think i i'm pretty open to go where the wind blows that's awesome and i guess for my final question since you are pretty active on social media instagram youtube if there are any videos of you if someone wanted to check you out what are the first things they should look at or what are the things you recommend they see I think uh my Instagram I'm definitely more active on Instagram. Mhm. Um Facebook I try to be uh more active but I have to admit I've sort of neglected Facebook a little bit. Um and YouTube I have recently started uploading few clips um of performances past performances. So yeah, you can check me out there. Uh it's it's a it's kind of a new channel so i'm i'm kind i i'm adding things a little by little as i go along uh, i recently put up my performance that i did in the swiss international kathak festival on domestic abuse so yeah definitely go check that out if you're interested awesome uh yeah and that brings me to end the end of this conversation uh, metli thanks a lot mm-hmm. for joining um such a really enlightening conversation thank you for inviting me <laughs> yes and yeah, so i should mention to bali ji for helping me with a lot of the questions for this one and okay. really released to more interesting discussions mhm and yeah hope you have a great day thank you yeah you too it was great talking to you awesome so 